I'm going to be preaching a message that I have entitled, God's Choice. Amen. Have you guys ever received a promise from the Lord? And then He promises you something of great provision or great breakthrough, and then all of a sudden it's like all hell just broke loose against your promise? Because any time that I've ever received a significant word from the Lord, it's like all my circumstances turn and go the opposite direction. And it's because of what it says in Mark, I think it's chapter 5, and Jesus is speaking, and he said, when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal that which was sown into your hearts. When he comes, he's coming for that word. So now, anytime that I see opposition, I know that I'm on the right track. <laughs> I do. I know I'm on the right track. Because Satan doesn't fight against stuff he's not scared of. When I was in that religious flow, I remember this lady coming. I was in a church service. It wasn't even part of a church that I was part of, but I went to this church service. And she said, the Lord showed me that the things you're going through are because of generational curses. Well, first of all, she was completely wrong, but I wasn't going through anything. But I felt like I was on top of the mountain. Like I felt so good. I had spent like a month in the word and I had just engulf myself with a whole bunch of Smith Wigglesworth's life's teachings. I felt like I was unstoppable. And then all of a sudden I, I come into grace and it's like, <laughs> I don't feel unstoppable anymore. <laughs> it really was. It, it was like all hell broke loose. And it's like the enemy is always trying to divert our attention because I had a reason to boast at that time because I was doing phenomenal, but I couldn't make my boast in the Lord. My boast would have been in my own efforts. And actually during that time, I was looking down on some other brothers who weren't living up to the standards that I was living up to. I know you guys have heard me preach on David because, I mean, that's where I've been at all week. I've been in First and Second Samuel and the, the start of First Kings. And I've just been going over his life because David received a word from the Lord that he was going to be king over Israel. He received this when he was a child. Now, everybody thinks David is so special because he's David. David wasn't so special because he was David. David was so special because he had a heart that wouldn't depart from the Lord regardless of where he found himself. That's why David was so special. That's why God could call David a man after his own heart. That's why God chose him. That's why God chose Abraham. The scripture says, because God said that Abraham will teach his children after him, which means he'll carry me with him, not only through his generation, but he'll literally multiply what I gave him into the next generation. And you see it in the life of Isaac. And then you see it in the life of Jacob, who later the Lord would change his name to Israel and name literally all the children of Israel after him. You, you see it. What makes us special? It's because we're God's choice. That's what makes us special. And do you know that David's brothers turned against him? 
You see it when he goes and his eldest brother, he just, he's bringing them some cheese and stuff to the captains and he comes to his brothers and you know the story, it's, it's David and Goliath. Goliath is mocking the children of Israel and say, give me a man that I may fight and if he wins, you know, we'll be your servant, but if we win, you'll serve us. And all of Israel was scared, including King Saul. And the Bible records King Saul being literally a head and shoulder length taller than everybody else. So the biggest man in Israel is afraid to go and fight this Philistine. And when David inquires about Goliath and what will be done to the man who kills Goliath, his brother gets mad and says, I know it's because your heart is full of pride and arrogance that you've just come out here to spy on the battle. And David said, is there not a cause? This man is resisting Israel. David goes on to kill Goliath. You think, wow, David killed Goliath. He's on his way to being a king. But then what happens? David became a great warrior. He was over all the armies of Israel. And one day the King Saul, the king, is traveling and the women came out and started singing, David has killed his tens of thousands and Saul his thousands. And all of a sudden, this one word, Satan was able to plant in the heart of King Saul. And from that time forward, Saul wanted to kill him and so much that David had to leave his wife, be lowered out through a window, literally, and he fleed into a foreign land that wasn't his own country. But he had a promise to be king. What happened? The thief was coming to steal the word which was sown out of his heart. But guess what David wouldn't do? David wouldn't take his eyes off the Lord. David wouldn't promote himself. He had, I think, two different times to kill King Saul. And he said that I won't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. David respected the anointing of the Lord that even if somebody was wrong, he wasn't going to be the one to take him out of office. Where's the respect for the anointing? This is a sidetrack, but where is the respect for the anointing today? <laughs> it's not. He's returning from battle one day and they come back and all their families are taken. All of them. Of all the men too, and I think it was 600 men went with him when he fled. The men were so distraught that they actually wanted to kill David. You know what David did? He took the linen ephod and inquired of the Lord. David wasn't of the lineage of Levi. He had no right to put that ephod on? Why would God allow a man to put an ephod on that wasn't of the lineage of Levi? And li literally, David broke the law in that instance. But you know what is amazing to me that baffles me? That God actually answered him <laughs> and went beyond the law and answered him in a place of grace where grace was not their covenant. Why? Because David's heart wouldn't depart from what the Lord had told him, David had a word, and that word was, I choose you. We all have a word. All of us are God's choice. The thief comes to steal that word. You know what? They pursued those armies, and they recovered more than what they took. 
None of their possessions or their people were harmed. David's seen war. Satan couldn't get him to turn his eyes away from the Lord and take his eyes from the promises he had from God through persecution. So he thought, well, maybe if I can get him to sin, maybe if I can get him to just relax a little bit, let the war cease down a little bit, and David finds himself in the palace at a time when kings are supposed to go to war. And he's walking around on his roof, and he looks over, and he beholds Bathsheba, this beautiful woman, who was strategically put there by the enemy. He inquires of her. She's Uriah the Hittite's wife. He still has her brought to him. She ends up getting pregnant, and David actually ends up sending for her husband, bringing him back, trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife, but Uriah wouldn't. So David sends him back to the front lines, and they end up killing him. And Joab, who was one of David's ranking officials for the army, sends word back saying that he got killed. And David thinks everything is okay now. But Nathan, the prophet, comes to David with a word. And the beautiful thing is, is that Nathan tells him that you're still God's choice. <laughs> that God has pardoned your iniquity. The child that Bathsheba was going to give birth to was going to be taken. But God, in the place where sin was the worst, was going to give him a promise that would supersede into the generations to come. That his next son, with the same woman, where sin was the worst, God was actually going to allow this one to build his temple. If that's not grace, I don't know what it is. It's amazing. It hasn't happened in a while, thank God. But me and Heather, we would have arguments on the way to church, and I would come in here, and all of a sudden, the anointing would be so strong. It was never like that until the message of grace. It's because I stopped it in other instances, but God was actually showing me something that in your worst place, I can make that my best place. Because we read stuff, like, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And I was talking to my cousin Mandy yesterday, and I, I was sharing some of this message with her. I said, when God chooses something weak and he's going to make it strong, he doesn't get mad that it's weak. <laughs> He doesn't. He's not disappointed that it's weak and frail. The whole reason he picked it was because it's weak. He knows that he is the one that can truly make it strong. And the enemy tries to get us to focus on our weak areas. But there's something that the Apostle Paul said. He said that in my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. In my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. He didn't say that Jesus was disappointed because I was weak. He said that even though I'm weak, you're going to see strength because I'm relying on something other than myself. And then he would go on to write as well that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's literally saying that I can do all things because Jesus gives me his strength. 
It's not just Christ strengthening me, it's the strength of Christ in me. And he's saying that I can do all things because I'm operating not only with Jesus' faith, the faith of the Son of God, but the strength of the Son of God. The strength that propelled Jesus into a wilderness, fasted 40 days, the lowest that any man could be as, as far as mental capacity and understanding because there's been no nourishment. And this strength that Jesus carried because of the Holy Spirit literally allowed him to resist the devil in a human's weakest state. Forty days with no food? I've never did a 40-day fast. Mark has. My cousin Bobby has. They're weak at the end of it. But that's the strength that Jesus had. That same strength that Jesus had to resist the devil is the same strength that spurred him on to a cross. Amen. And the enemy would love to deceive us to make us believe that we're weaker than that. That we don't have that kind of strength. But the Bible says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So before you ever existed, God made a choice and he chose to choose you. You could say, well, yes, yeah, Steve, God chose all humanity. Of course he did. He died for the sins of the world. And there's crazy stuff out there that says that God's choice takes away your choice. Like it's God's will for me to go to heaven, but it's God's will for this other guy to go to hell. No, in God's choosing, it doesn't take away our choice. It's our yes to his choosing that actually makes us chosen. It is. It's just our yes to his choosing that makes us chosen. And that's why Jesus would go on to say, many are called, but few are chosen. I used to believe this. And because the way that we're taught, we're taught, well, if you don't do it, God will choose somebody else. I was telling my cousin Jamie, I don't see that in Scripture. When I look at Moses, I see Moses, and Moses is actually arguing with Almighty God. <laughs> He's arguing with him. And the crazy thing is, is that God is allowing him to. We think that time and space can separate anointings and callings. Because 40 years earlier, Moses slayed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand, and then he fled. And God appears to Moses 40 years later and says, I want you to go to Egypt. And Moses is probably thinking about what he did and how long it's been. But God's calling on Moses' life, they knew it from a child that he was special. That's why his mother didn't actually have him killed. That's why she hid him in a basket and floated him down the river. He grew up with Pharaoh's son. Well, when Pharaoh died, guess who took the throne? The one Moses grew up with. Guess who knew Moses by face? The one Moses grew up with. And here it is 40 years later, and God is telling him to go back because time and space didn't separate the anointing or the calling because he was God's choice. I love the story of Jonah. It's like one of my favorite stories because Jonah is in open rebellion. 
He says, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. He gets on a ship and goes the opposite direction. All of a sudden, a hurricane hits the ship, and Jonah's in the bottom of the boat, and these guys are thinking they're going to die. Jonah tells them, you have to throw me overboard. The crazy thing is, is that they start throwing other stuff out. They don't want to throw Jonah overboard. They end up throwing him overboard, and guess what? A whale swallows him and takes him back to where he should have been in the first place. And the reality is, is that even when we try to run and when life tries to throw us overboard, God's whale will be there to bring us back because we're his choice. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God is amazing. He is. God is good, ain't he? All right. I seen this earlier this week. I was reading in Romans chapter 1, 1, And this is what Paul says. He says, Greeting from Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. God chose me to be an apostle and gave me the work of telling his good news. So I'm reading that earlier in the week, and then I turn and I'm reading Ephesians chapter 1, and he says, Greeting from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am an apostle because that is what God wanted. I said, hold on. That's how he started Romans 1.1. Romans 1.1. Greeting from Paul, a servant of... Christ Jesus, God chose me to be an apostle and gave me the work of telling his good news. And then listen, let me check and see how he starts the other ones. 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, greeting from Paul, I was chosen to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. God chose me because that is what he wanted. 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, greeting from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am apostle because that is what God wanted. Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, greetings from Paul, an apostle. I was chosen to be an apostle, but not by any group or person here on earth. My authority came from none other than Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from death. You see the theme? Colossians starts the same way. First and Second Timothy, same way. Paul is saying, I am an apostle chosen by God. This is how the Apostle Paul seen himself. So do you see yourself as a child chosen by God? Not as just humanity. I remember my old pastor, Pastor Elon, and he said, if it was just you, Jesus would die for you. And I thought, no, I don't don't think so. Jesus died for humanity. I'm part of humanity. I'm grateful for that. You know, (laughs) let's not exaggerate now. (laughs) Because I didn't know the love of God, which passes all understanding. I didn't see just myself as an individual child. That if it was me, just me on earth, God would make that choice to die just for me. Because I would still be God's choice if I was the only one. And I believe that. I believe that now. I believe that if I was the only person on earth, God would have died for me because he's loved. And God didn't want to go without any of his children. The scripture says that he calls us by name. I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. But if you can believe God, then you can believe that what we tell you is never yes and no. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one that Silas, Timothy, and I told you about was not yes and no. In Christ, I love this, it has always been yes. The yes 
to all of God's promises is in Christ. That is why we say amen through Christ to the glory of God. And God is the one who makes you and us strong in Christ. God is the one that makes you and me strong in Christ. In my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. Why? Because the Father gives me Jesus' strength. The same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same exact spirit, the scripture says, lives inside of us and that he will quicken, make alive our mortal bodies. He makes them alive with the same strength that was in Christ because we're chosen just like he was. He was chosen to die. We were chosen to die with him and through his death, we were chosen also to live with him. God is also the one who chose us for his work. So it's God that makes us strong in Christ. God is also the one who chose us for his work. He put his mark on us to show that we are his. Yes, he put his spirit in our hearts as the first payment that guarantees all that he will give us. Nowhere in this verse or in these scriptures does it say he put his spirit in us to guarantee that he will get everything from us. <laughs> doesn't say that <laughs> but that's how the gospel has been preached that God actually wants something from you God doesn't want anything from you he wants to give you himself amen God wants to give you his grace his love his ability so that you who are weak can then be strong with the same strength that Jesus was because it's the strength of Christ. It's his strength in me because it was given to me by the Father because I've been chosen by God. I can't remember the exact time or date like Mark where God called his name. I remember it. I was 12. I remember another time where he called me out of a crowd. I was actually with these guys at a Mark Brendan camp meeting and, and God told me I would reach a lot of people for the Lord and that he would build a family around me and together we would run. He said they would love me and together we would run and he would take me into my destiny. Uh, this is the family here, which I wouldn't see come to fruition until years later, uh, that the enemy for real tried to fight against that promise. He came for the word's sake, but he wasn't able to steal the word which was sown into my heart because I never took my eyes off the Lord. And here I am today standing with his promise and together we're running. He gave me a seat, like I said, at the table of Triumphant Grace Ministries. And it's nothing that I can point to because I'm such a good person at something. No, it's because God, his ability is real and he really does make weak things strong. And each one of us, when he called us in our weakness, he literally planned to strengthen us beyond our own ability. Amen. I'm also going to read out of Ephesians 1.1. I'm just going to read all the way down. Greetings from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am an apostle because that is what God wanted. He says, to God's holy people living in Ephesus. Who is he writing to? God's holy people living in Ephesus. Believers who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, there's something that Jesus said. It's in John chapter 10. It's verse 28 and 29. He said that whoever comes to me, 
I will give them eternal life and they shall not perish. And he says that no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand because they belong to the Father and the Father is greater than me and he's the one who gave them to me and no one is greater than the Father. And I was talking to Heather this morning and I said, Jesus made a promise of eternal life to the person who comes to him. So at the moment we come to him, he's made a promise of eternal life. If you could lose your salvation, he couldn't call it eternal from the moment you came to him. He couldn't. It couldn't be called eternal because when you come to Jesus, if you can lose it at any time, he can't give you eternal life off the bat. It has to be called something else. It would. It would have to be called something else. But then there's also another promise that no one is strong enough to take out of his hand because you were given to him by the Father. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That means that you were put inside of Christ by the Father. And the Apostle Paul would go on with such a great revelation in Romans chapter 8. He said, For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor powers nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor any other thing and all of creation will be able to separate me, us, from the love that is in Christ Jesus. He was saying that nothing I do will keep God from loving me. I have a covenant with God because it's written in the blood of his own son that there's nothing that I could do that could keep God from loving me. If you want to believe you can lose your salvation, that's fine. If you want to believe that God would ever be mad at you, it's against scripture, but that's fine. If you want to believe that you can defile yourself, that's fine. But the Bible says that we have the sprinkling of blood over us, the blood of Jesus. And let me ask you a question. Can you defile the blood of Jesus? No. Is there anything that you could do to defile his blood? The Bible actually says that his blood was used for the heavenly instruments of worship that Adam defiled. Adam's sin couldn't even defile Jesus' blood. It purged those instruments. Well, you've had his blood applied to your hearts. And if his blood has been applied to your life, then there's nothing that you can do to defile that. His blood's stronger than any of that. And like I was telling my cousin Mandy, knowing that I'm chosen like that, that God chose me and he sealed me and he gave me an eternal promise doesn't make me want to go sin. When you look at the story of the prodigal son, when the father was so generous and gave him his inheritance before he died, this son went and left the father, spending on prostitutes, riotous living, ended up feeding pigs, and he wanted to go back to his father as a servant. But let me ask you something. Was there any point of time in that story, was he not a son? He was only not a son in his mind. Because as soon as he came back to the father... The father didn't look at him and say, I agree with you, you should be a servant, not a son. You know what he did? He put a robe and a ring on his hand 
and killed the best calf that they had for him. It was so extravagant, and he threw a party. The party was so ex extravagant that his older brother got mad because he wasted his inheritance with prostitutes. He shouldn't be there. He's worked his whole life for what he had. And all of a sudden, we're looking at the story of a younger son and the story of an older son, and we miss the story of the father in between. The one that doesn't hold our sin against us. The one that didn't see his sin. The one that put his robe and his ring back on him. The one who would never call him a servant. Because before the son ever decided to come back to be a servant, the father didn't choose somebody else. That son had a special place in his father's heart. And the father didn't choose somebody else because he wasted his inheritance. And it's like with the story of Jonah. When life throws you overboard, God's whale will bring there to bring you back home. <laughs> it's so true because we're chosen. When it says that he'll never leave us or forsake us even to the ends of the earth, it's like with anything. You can hear it a million times. You can say, I know that by heart because I know it by heart. Or what an honor it is to actually preach his word and be entrusted with it. I already know that. But there's something about when our hearts are open to receive it that it becomes alive to us. And we say, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You have chosen me in Christ before the foundation of the world. And I have a promise that you will give me his strength. That you're not disappointed with my weak areas. That you chose me in weakness so that you could make me strong. <laughs> so if I'm ex experiencing weakness, it's no big deal. Because I'm expecting the strength of Christ to perfect those areas. Because I'm chosen and so are you. Amen. I hope you guys got something out of that this morning. I know the goodness of God. And that when he calls us, his callings and his gifts are without repentance. Which means that he won't take them back because he knows you're going to squander them. He didn't with the prodigal son. You think the father was surprised when he left and spent all his money on riotous living? Why do you think he was worried about him, looking for him down the road to come? Because he knew the son. <laughs> he knew what the son was going to do. But to him, he didn't think it was a waste. He didn't. The father didn't think it was unreasonable to give it to him, knowing what he was going to do. He didn't think it was error or folly to receive him back in. When the son came back to the father, he didn't want to go do it all again. He realized how good the father was. That the father never held anything against him. That he had been looking at that road every day, waiting for me after I took your stuff. Wanted you dead. You would look for me every day when I had this hate in my heart. And we read in Romans chapter 5 that why we were enemies to God, Christ died for us. And all of a sudden, we think that we could ever be separated from him. Now that we're not enemies, we're children. If he would treat us with such extravagant love as enemies, why do we think that we would receive anything else as children and friends?
who have been chosen, hand-selected by the Father for this generation. We're his choice. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the revelation and the reality that we're chosen. The reality that you said that you give us eternal life, that we can't lose our salvation, that we don't lose our position in you, that you don't call somebody else to take our place. Time and space doesn't separate anointings or callings. Lord God, you've been directing our path from day one since we came to you. And we just thank you that we can trust in your direction. And we thank you that just like David wouldn't take his eyes off of you, we thank you that we won't either because David had the Holy Spirit on him. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And I thank you, Father, that as you was able to direct the course of David's life and bring him success in every area, despite the opposition he faced, we thank you that that success is ours, that all the promises of God and Christ are yes and amen. And we thank you for those promises. And we thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, which is part of your body. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.